Welcome back to True Crime Corner. I'm your host, Lisa Craven. Today's case will be part one of a series where we discuss the murder of Christopher Grover and whether or not it was justified as an act of self-defense or if it was done in cold blood. Nicole Adiamondo, or Nikki, as she's known by friends and family, was Chris's longtime girlfriend and mother to his two children. The couple also worked together at Mr. Todd's Gymnastics in Poughkeepsie, New York. Nikki left the gym after having her first son, but Chris remained there full-time up until the date of his tragic death. Chris was found dead from a gunshot wound to his head on the early morning hours of September 28, 2017. Nikki never denied shooting Chris, but claims she had to in order to defend her life. We will go over testimony that was heard in court, as well as the words of the defendant herself, who took the stand for three days in her own trial. The defense does not need to prove a case, and in most times, the defendant will not take the stand as it can be damaging to the case, and the defense will typically opt out. The burden of proof rests on the prosecution to prove and convince the jury beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant is guilty. In a case such as this, the defendant is not denying that she shot her lover, but instead is taking the stand to prove her innocence and explain why she was left with that only option. It was the day after the shooting, and the small community of Poughkeepsie, New York, was left with shock and lots of questions. They remembered Chris as an amazing gymnastics coach and friend, and Nikki was an adoring mother and loving friend. The couple lived together in a modest apartment off of Van Wagner Road. They had two small children under the age of five at the time of the shooting who also resided in the home with them. Marissa and Todd, the owners of Mr. Todd's Gymnastics, posted to Facebook saying, quote, I don't really know how to begin this post, nor do we feel this is real. Our bodies are numb. The tears keep flowing. Sick to our stomach and so many other feelings still in disbelief and can't figure out why this is all happening. Our head coach, Chris, was taken from us yesterday, and my thoughts go out to his family, end quote. They added that Chris was like a son to them and a big brother to their two girls. In another comment made by Mr. Todd's, they stated that, quote, Chris and Nikki have touched many lives at this gym. I am friends with Nikki as well and just don't know what life brought to her, but our thoughts are, her, are with her and her family as well. End quote. Lisa Rostein, a friend of Nikki's, was asked to describe her and said, quote, She's a stay-at-home mother. She is the most loving mother in the world. She taught her kids every single thing. Her kids are extremely smart because of her. She's generally a good person. This is not like her. This is not her. She is the nicest person. End quote. Other friends commented on Mr. Todd's Facebook page saying things such as, This is so sad. I knew both of them. This is so shocking to me. Praying for his family, especially his children and all of the lives that he has touched. Chris was a big part of my daughter's life and a role model. He will be missed dearly. Our love goes out to everyone. On October 3rd, 2017, Chris was laid to rest in a private burial in his hometown of Red Hook, New York. Nikki was arrested on the evening of September 28th and brought to jail and booked on charges of second-degree manslaughter with intent to kill. According to the felony complaint 
filed by the town of Poughkeepsie Police, Nikki caused Chris's death by shooting his head with a handgun. Nikki's original defense attorney, Anthony DeFazio, waived the preliminary hearing, stating that they were investigating the case and the circumstances of the shooting. This move was done because during a preliminary hearing, the DA has to show that there was probable cause to believe the defendant committed a felony. Waiving the hearing gives both sides more time to investigate the case. Initial reports of the incident described the early morning hours of September 28th at approximately 2.30 a.m., Nikki flagged down police, stating that she was involved in a domestic incident with her boyfriend and that he is back at the apartment. Police went to the couple's apartment, and that's where they discovered Chris, laying on the couch with his head propped up on a pillow, feet stretched out in front of him, one arm on his chest, and the other laying by his side. The blood had seeped through the couch and began to pool on the hardwood floors. He was dead from a gunshot wound to the head. The manner of death was ruled homicide. Shortly after retaining his counsel, Nikki dismissed her original defense attorney, Anthony DeFazio, due to lack of finances. The public defender, Cara Gary, was appointed as her new legal counsel after a brief court appearance on October 4, 2017. The community wanted answers, and more importantly, justice. Depending on whose version you believed, there was a clear divide. Supporters of Nikki started forming and fundraisers began. Chris's supporters remained silent, but never left his side and felt that there was something more to the story, and most importantly, they just wanted justice. We Stand With Nikki is a website that was created by Nikki supporters and family to help raise awareness of what they believe led up to that fateful evening. The website partnered with Fundraiser, an online crowdsourcing site, and raised over $74,000 to be used towards Nikki's legal counsel. The campaign has a story attached to explain what the situation was. This story was posted in October of 2018, almost one year after Chris's murder. Here is the story written by Elizabeth Clifton. Nicole Adiamato was trying to survive. After surviving nearly a decade of domestic violence, our sister and friend, Nikki Adiamando, shot her partner and father of her children, ages three and five, in a struggle to defend her life. Now she is charged with second-degree murder and faces a lifetime in prison, ripped from her young children, and subjected to the abuse and dehumanization of our criminal justice system. We urgently need to raise money for her legal defense. Any amount you give will go a long way to securing justice and freedom for our beloved Nikki, as well as providing support for her and her children. If Nikki goes to prison, it is just not she who suffers. Her children, her entire family, and her community will experience profound and long-lasting emotional, physical, and economic trauma. Why she needs our help. Nikki lived through horrifying abuse, all of which will be revealed during trial. So why is she still being charged? The truth is our criminal justice system is stacked against women who suffer from domestic violence, and it's shockingly common for domestic abuse survivors to be incarcerated after defending their lives. According to the New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision, 67% of women sent to prison in 2005 for killing someone close to them were abused by the victim of their crime. 
The ACLU states that nearly 60% of women's prisons nationwide and as many as 94% of some women's prisons populations have a history of physical or sexual abuse before incarceration. Instead of offering protection, compassion, and healing, our criminal justice system becomes a continuation of abuse that they have already suffered. The evidence of Nikki's abuse is extensively documented by medical trauma and domestic violence professionals. Dozens of witnesses have reported seeing Nikki injured in public, including bruising, burns, and limb dislocation. Our judicial system refuses to acknowledge the dynamics of abuse and why women often can't leave. How you can help. Nikki's case is scheduled to go to trial in January of 2019. She needs the best legal representation and expert witness possible, and that's why we need your help. Her family does not have the funds to sustain private counsel, and fees are estimated to reach over 500000 We cannot allow a lack of financial resources to determine the outcome of Nikki's case. The story concludes with links to resources and more information on domestic violence awareness. To date, the campaign has raised $74,635 of the $75,000 goal and features artwork created by Nikki while she was in jail awaiting her trial. In May of 2018, prosecutors moved for Nikki's current legal counsel, Cara Gary, who was representing Nikki for the past eight months, to be removed from the case. They requested that Nikki be appointed a DA from nearby Putnam County. Normally, the Dutchess County DA's office would handle the town of Poughkeepsie case, but because an assistant DA from the Dutchess County's office will be a witness for the case, for which side is unclear, the switch is needed to be made in order to maintain the perception of neutrality. In June of 2018, supporters of Nikki gathered outside of the courthouse dressed in purple, the color that represents domestic violence. Many of the shirts read, We Stand With Nikki, a slogan that has since spawned in the wake of this case. They were there to bring awareness to the injustice that Nikki was dealing with because she was wrongfully charged with the murder after suffering years of horrific abuse at his hands, they allege. Newly assigned DA Michael Cohen stated at the gathering that he felt from his brief review of the file that the evidence would establish that Nikki was abused horrifically. Meanwhile, Chris's family sits and waits for the trial. His Aunt Tracy gave a statement to the news that day and said, quote, There is no way. The people who knew Chris knew he would never do anything to harm anyone. You could not even argue with Christopher. He was not one for confrontation. It is horrific what people are saying. We cannot believe it. It's been eight months and we still can't believe what she did to him. And we don't know why. We want to know why. Her saying she was abused, there's no truth to that. We heard rumors after he died that she was going to say that. Nikki was controlling. What she said went, end quote. This same day, Nikki's defense team filed a motion seeking her release, claiming that her rights had been violated. She had been locked up for more than 45 days without an indictment returned by a grand jury. In April of 2018, the grand jury waived Nikki's case for action. By law, a defendant is entitled to be released from jail if an indictment has not been handed up to a grand jury within 45 days of the case being waived, unless the prosecutors can show good reason why this shouldn't happen. The following day on June 6, 2018, Nikki was released from jail pending the grand jury's decision. 
She was held the past eight months in county jail with no bail and no grand jury indictment to hold her there. Judge Rosa decided that there was no good cause to exceed the deadline. The delays can be attributed to the defense's request for a thorough investigation into the allegations of physical and sexual abuse in the addition to the conflicts of the interest that led to the changes in Nikki's legal representation. The lawyers for Nikki claim that the trial will show sufficient evidence that Nikki suffered horrific abuse at the hands of Chris. The prosecutors found that during their own investigation that those allegations are inconsistent with the evidence that they have. They also feel because Chris was not there to give his side of the story, they, his legal team, believe this case needs to go before a grand jury. Nikki was released from jail and was not required to post bail. About 25 supporters for Nikki, all dressed in purple, were there cheering, some crying. She spent those precious 12 days with her family and especially her children, who at this point are without a mother or a father. Nikki's sister, who I will not name for privacy, wrote a heartfelt piece on social media along with pictures documenting Nikki's brief stay home. The following is written by her. Quote, Sisterhood is a powerful force. For the first time, I'm publicly telling the story of when my sister Nikki was unexpectedly released from jail for 12 surreal days. The first thing I thought when Supreme Court Judge Rosa called for Nikki's immediate release to gasps and screams and sobs from the court was, oh my God, her children are going to see their mom after nine months without seeing their mother's face or feeling her hugs, end quote. A video then plays of two young children running in happiness down a pathway towards their mother. They embrace in a long and tear-filled reunion. A caption reads, I'll never forget witnessing this moment. They had waited an eternity for this hug. The pictures continue showing Nikki surrounded by her kids, and you can see that she is holding drawings made by them. While she is cradling her son in her arms, her daughter is handing her something. The caption reads, they gave her gifts and cards that they planned to mail. The next picture is a bright and beautiful day where the sun is shining and the grass is green. Nikki is seen swinging her daughter playfully as they both smile so huge. The caption reads, And despite her frail body, weakened from stress and malnutrition, she immediately played and ran. Another image of Nikki embracing her mother in an intimate hug while her young daughter has her tiny arms wrapped around both of their waists reads, This was the first time she saw our mother. The first my mother could hold her baby. Since Nikki's arrest, our mom suffered through multiple strokes, near-fatal surgery, a coma, and now stage 4 cancer. They didn't know if they'd see each other again. They still don't. Now there's an image of Nikki walking down the road while carrying her daughter. Her son is walking along her side and she has her free arm around him. There's a red sweater tied around both her and her son's waist connecting them at the hip, literally. The caption reads, we brought Nikki to their preschool art show. Her son tied himself to her and wouldn't let go. Her sister continues with the post saying, quote, in the 12 days we had with her, we gave Nikki sunshine, smiles, music, and love. She was able to care for our mother in ways that she had been desperately wanting to. We kept her warm, reminded her how loved she is, but we knew she had to go back, end quote. A picture of Nikki wearing a blue striped shirt as she is sleeping next to her son reads, This was the morning she had with us, with her babies. 
The next picture is of her son curled up on the couch in that same blue striped shirt that his mom had on in the previous picture, and it reads, And this was after she left, curled up in the shirt she slept in, and a note that says, I love you, Mommy, lays next to his tiny body. The final picture is of Nikki playing the ukulele for her son, and it reads, This is what she gave the kids. Presence, love, hope. She learned to play the ukulele for him. Everything she did was for her kids. She belongs with them. On June 2018, Nikki voluntarily surrendered herself back into the Dutchess County Jail. On June 29th of 2018, the grand jury indicted Nikki on murder and manslaughter charges in the shooting death of Chris. She was initially charged with second-degree murder in late September. Her new charges were of second-degree murder, first-degree murder, first-degree manslaughter, and second-degree criminal possession of a weapon. She would remain in jail with no bail. Supporters of Nikki were upset that the grand jury had handed down these charges without hearing testimony from Nikki or her witnesses. In August of 2018, Nikki was granted bail at $300,000 or a $600,000 bond. Judge Edward McLaughlin said he reviewed the weight of the evidence from both sides and both are very compelling. In order for the psychiatric defense to avoid getting Nikki a life sentence, they would have to rely on Nikki being in a certain condition when she shot Chris. He concluded by saying, while both sides have a strong case, one thing that nobody disagrees with is that Nikki took the life of Chris. A week before Christmas, Nikki was released from jail on a bond. She was able to spend the holidays and New Year with her family and children. More importantly, her mother wasn't able to hang on much longer, and sadly, she passed away. Nikki was able to be by her side through the end and had the ability to attend her services. In a pretrial hearing, some discussion around the initial contact Nikki made with the police was discussed. Originally, reporters were told that Nikki left the apartment in the wee hours of the morning of September 28th and flagged down police to let him know that she was involved in a domestic incident with her boyfriend. During these pretrial hearings, the defense was seeking to have the statements, audio, and video police obtained of Nikki that night thrown out. This hearing is called a Huntley hearing, and they're held to review the manner in which police obtained statements from the defendant. Officer Sicily testified that he first saw Nikki's car stopped at a red light on Taft Avenue near the West Brown Arterial around 2 a.m. on September 28th. He was on his way to another call when the light turned green. Nikki's car didn't move and this prompted him to blow his air horn. Nikki got out of her car and approached Officer Sicily, who also got out of his car and walked towards her. His dash cam footage captured the entire encounter on video. Nikki was very upset and said she was involved with a fight with her husband and that the gun just went off. He said he would kill her if she left and she tried to leave, but the gun just went off. The entire conversation between Nikki and Officer Sicily was over two hours long while her two young children slept quietly in their car seats. The audio clips played in court were difficult to hear, but Nikki can be heard saying that Child Protective Services had become involved and that Chris had a loaded gun that he kept in the home that she didn't want to touch. She asked the officer later in the conversation what would happen to her, and he said that she would have a chance to share her side of the story with the police. Other testimony heard was from Detective Daryl Honkala, who interviewed Nikki at the police station after her initial encounter with Officer Sicily. A retired detective, Chris Hamill, also testified 
because he was the responding officer to a possible sexual assault that Nikki reported back in 2011. The allegations weren't against Chris in this incident, but against a former City of Poughkeepsie police officer that Nikki claims assaulted her. Hamill conducted the investigation and recorded interviews that he had with Nikki and others. Prosecutors are going to argue on their Milonix hearing. This is a hearing used to determine the admissibility of evidence of a defendant's prior uncharged crimes, such as her claims of sexual assault that she made against another man back in 2011. In January of 2019, the judge ruled that the jury can hear the statements Nikki made to Officer Sicily on the morning of September 28th after fatally shooting Chris in the head. Prosecutors have called the recordings a full Prosecutors have called the recordings a full confession and state that they were voluntarily and legally obtained. The judge did deny prosecutors' request to show evidence of Nikki's alleged uncharged criminal activity or prior bad acts, but that could change if Nikki's defense team decides to go with an affirmative defense. That's where the defendant admits that they broke the law, but for a justified reason, such as self-defense. At the same hearing, the defense argued that the initial officer that spoke with Nikki, Officer Sicily, should have read Nikki her Miranda rights before asking her questions. But she was read those rights when she came to the police station, and those rights come into play once the person is in police custody. When Nikki was speaking with Officer Sicily, she was not in custody, and she first approached him, he did not consider her a criminal suspect. He thought maybe she was a potential victim of domestic violence. She repeatedly and spontaneously spoke to the officer. She was given snacks and water and was able to tend to her small children that were still in her car. Officer Sicily repeatedly told Nikki that she wasn't in trouble, but she would need to come to the station to file a complaint and make a full statement. Phone conversations obtained while Nikki was at the station, which were recorded, show that Nikki didn't think she was in trouble or in custody. She stated in one call that it never crossed her mind that she would stay at the police station, but rather she would be right back. The trial began on March 18, 2019. This will conclude episode one. Be sure to subscribe and tune in next time where I'll bring you coverage from the trial that is still going on as we speak. Thank you.